I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Monday, March 16, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. So the market continues to plunge. We have a global repricing of everything on our hands. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to discuss a variety of things. We're going to get into numbers. We're going to get into charts, but we're also going to get into some things that are going on that aren't necessarily mainstream media topics of discussion. We're going to talk about the way this all works. We're going to talk about expectations. We're going to talk about How in the world does this phase of this decline end and where the hell is it going? We're even going to discuss some of the vehicles that we can trade in this environment and some of the vehicles that we cannot trade in this environment. I'll go over some of the reasons why, what I'm seeing out there, and whether or not you were trading on a day like today, the environment isn't really going to change that much day over day. So whenever you do, if ever you do decide to trade in an environment like this with volatility extremely enhanced, we're going to discuss some of the do's and don'ts, some of the pitfalls we have to watch out for. And that's really going to be centered in terms of the vehicles we use. How do you trade it? What do you use? ETFs, stocks, options, what can you do, what can't you do, and why? Let's start with a recap from the last couple of days. We were looking for a low. So we found a low last Thursday. The market had a tremendous rally on Friday. From low to high, it's around 250 S&P handles. It's absolutely redonkulous. By any measure, by any standard, that's a tremendous rip-your-face-off rally off that low. And here we are, right back down the next day. It's a circus. We get that. We're going to unpack exactly what's happening, where we're going, what the expectations are. Let's just put this in perspective. We have to sit back and understand what we're looking at. We're looking at an S&P cash index that's down 325 points. A bad day in the Dow was 325 points. What are we talking about, Dow? We're talking 2,997 points, almost 3,000 points, close to 13% in the Dow. That's an absolute global meltdown. Is there an end in sight before the market gets to zero? Yes, there is. Let's go over to another chart and we'll look at some of the other numbers that A, are on the chart and one of the other numbers that was already on the chart. You'll notice the 240 was already on the chart last week. Also on the chart last week was $235 in the SPY, and now on the chart as of today is $230.50. The lower we go, the more numbers I have to come up with. Are there numbers below that if we need them? Of course there are. Do you need to know what they are today? No. If we're down there early in the morning below that number, guess what? Inside the numbers members will have the numbers. It feels really, really bad. It feels terrible. We've never been here before. A market like this really hasn't existed before. We have circuit breakers going off. We have limit downs at the open. We have investors, traders, money managers, and people without a dog in the fight 
all stunned with a deer in the headlights look. Money managers, brokers, financial advisors, they're all hiding under their desk. They have nowhere to go. Should we still find support in this general area? And the answer is yes. Remember, 240 and 235 were on the board before today. They were on the board before the weekend. They were on the board before the Fed did what they did with zero interest rates on Sunday night. It was on the board before Friday. Those numbers were my expectation of where the market would come to when it came down here on Thursday, the 13th of last week, and stopped short. Back to the daily chart. That was the weekly. It was the 12th that my expectation was the market would come down to 240 or even 235, and that's the spot where we would find support. We didn't get there. They came up short. They had a 250-point S&P rally. It changes the scope of the game. Back to the weekly chart. So here's the point that I really want to make. Let's talk about market psychology. Let's talk about sentiment. You know what's going around the media. You know what it feels like out there. It's really, really bad. It's very dire. It feels like it can't get worse. It feels like who the heck would want to hold a stock or the market long under any circumstances with what's going on. I get all that. It always feels like that near a bottom. I don't know for sure whether we're going to see a bottom today, tomorrow, the next day, but here's what I can tell you. Down here, 240, 235, even 230, this is a spectacular area of support. It should be under normal garden variety market conditions. So last week, let's assume for a second that we were down in the area we're in today. Would it feel any different? Would the news be any less bad? No, it would be exactly the same. It would feel the same. And if we never had that tremendous rally on Friday, we would be having the discussion of, we're looking for a low. I'm still in the market for a low. A lot of traders from inside the numbers caught a lot of juice on Friday. There was a lot of money made for traders who were also looking for a low. Now, in this market environment, when they hand you the money, you have to take it. That's why I say all the time, a pro trader will never, ever, ever have a full position at target. It's only the remaining portion of the position they haven't yet taken profits on. Here we are, the market's back down, trying to scare the hell out of everybody. It's doing its job. The market's job is to make as many traders and investors look like fools as much of the time as possible. Think back to all the money managers, all the strategists, all the market mavens that were raising price targets on everything under the sun just a month ago. Didn't the market make them look like fools? Now, they may feel like fools for doing it, but the reality is nobody will ever remember. Nobody's going to replay it on TV. They're not going to republish their material. They're not going to resend it to clients. They're just going to bury it like it never happened. They blame it on the coronavirus. Life goes on after the market bottoms. Then they'll do it all over again. This is a cycle that's been going on since the beginning of time, or at least since the beginning of time and markets. Here's a monthly chart, and I just want to point something out in what this zone really is. Traders that have taken the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader will understand and identify with why the three lines are in this area. One of them is basically spot on to an important spot. The other one represents 
coming up short, meaning the 240 would represent coming up short, courtesy of Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate Crew. That would be for traders that may have been waiting for 235. And then the 230 is on a Roto-Rooter flush right down through 235. Can they keep going under any circumstances that could come out of the blue? Absolutely, they can keep going. They can always keep going. However, using the 80-20 rule, and also for the fact that we haven't visited this area in quite some time, we're at the December 2018 lows, so it's been over a year. We haven't visited this area. It's important, and the 235 comes from a bigger number, a bigger type of calculation. So what I can tell you is it's important, but therefore, intra-month, we'll say, they can spike through the number. Should they close the month above 235, the month of March? And the answer is, from where I sit today, yes, they should. A lot of runway left in the month. So what I'm trying to point out is, you have to give it some leeway. We should be. And again, I emphasize, should be doesn't have to be. We're in uncharted waters. There's no question about it. But there should be support down here. Haven't changed that tune since last week when we talked about 240 to 235. Nothing's changed. We had a one-day rip-your-face-off sabbatical on the way. Let's have a different discussion. Let's throw a short hop in here, and let's bring back Repo Man for a second. Everybody wants to talk about the coronavirus, and that's completely legitimate, obviously. It's definitely having and will continue to have a large-scale economic impact across the globe. We'll get back to that, but let's go to Repo Man for a second. Last week, the Fed injected a lot of money into the market. They promised a lot of money into the market. They're adding liquidity into the market. Then all of a sudden, on Sunday, they lowered interest rates to zero, promised the world. They're basically saying they're going to backstop everything. Why did they come in on Sunday to do this after they just did it a couple of days earlier? Remember, the futures opened down after the Fed made their announcement. So basically, the future said, no deal, we're going down. Why was that? Why wasn't the opposite taking place? Why wasn't the market saying, oh good, here comes the Fed with more easy money, they're going to backstop everything, let's buy the market and send it up. Why didn't that happen? Enter Repo Man. Remember, Repo Man, or Fed's repurchase agreements, are bank-to-bank lending. A bank needs money to fulfill obligations because they have short-term paper requirements, they have commercial paper requirements, companies borrow from banks, banks have to settle their books at the end of the day, they borrow from another bank or the Fed just to square up their books and they restart in the morning. But at the end of the day, they have to be balanced. It's an oversimplification, but you'll get the point. The reason that banks won't lend to banks is because they don't necessarily trust other banks. Now, in the repo market, it's not necessarily like you know who's borrowing money. Otherwise, it defeats the purpose of that market. Otherwise, you would know who's in trouble and who's not. It's an anonymous auction. However, when banks won't even go into the anonymous auction, what's that telling you? It's telling you that banks don't trust that there's somebody that's not failing. They don't want to put their money on the line. 
If a bank gobbles up money one night and fails the next day, who gets that money back? Nobody. And by the way, it doesn't have to be a bank. It could be a large entity. We don't know. I'm just using bank as a general rule. So now we go back to Sunday. What was it that caused the Fed to take such drastic measures only two days after they already took drastic measures? Well, my take is there's a failure on their hands. They're trying to plug up a hole in the market, whether it's the commercial paper market, whatever it is, it's some kind of short-term lending facility that needs intervention. Maybe it's here, maybe it's in Europe, maybe it's elsewhere. I don't really know. But it's the only thing that comes to mind that makes logical sense on why the Fed would show up on Sunday with these measures and then the market tanks. What was the market saying? The market saying, why are you showing up with such drastic measures? What's going on? You're not telling us the whole story. We're tanking the market. That's pretty much what happened from where I sit. Now, here's something else. The market is going to continue to respond to whatever the government's response and the Fed's response is. And here's what I'll tell you. They're not going to stop. The Fed's not going to stop. They're going to come out with stuff you never even heard of. And the government's not going to stop. They're going to start backstopping stuff you didn't think they were going to backstop. This is the playbook. Eventually, and it's sooner than later, the market's going to decide it's enough. It likes what it hears. That's it. Put a bottom in. My take, until proven otherwise, until I'm proven wrong, my take is it's somewhere in this zone. Down here, we'll call it in the middle around 235. Now, I'm calling it in the middle, and you look at the middle, and you say, well, here are the December lows at 233.76, and here's another thing that logic would tell me. They're likely going to spike through the December 2018 lows since they're already here. Make it look good, do it by a bunch, hence, there you have 230.50. Somewhere in here, until proven otherwise, should be our low. Let's throw another short hop out there and let's talk about the vehicles you use. How do you even trade this if you're willing to step into the market at all? Speaking of stepping into the market, I might as well put up the pre-market morning notes from inside the numbers and then we'll scroll through the commentary throughout the day. Obviously, most traders are not participating on a day like today. However, nonetheless, I'm putting out the commentary, A, for those that want to, and B, for everybody else to learn from. The market's fast, it's whippy, it's pretty unbelievable, but we have what we have. Let me scroll through. You can see what happened for the rest of the pre-market morning notes. You can start and stop the video at your leisure. Take your time, read whatever you want. There was nothing on stocks on the move today because we knew we were going to get a limit down at the open. We were going to get a circuit breaker hit. And the last thing a trader wants to do is get stuck in a position right before a circuit breaker hits. You don't know which way the market's going to open back up. You could have a big hit on the upside. You could have a big hit on the downside. You just don't know. You don't need that kind of risk. Let's go back up to the morning commentary And what I'm doing at this point is giving the information that I have and I'm passing it on to you or to the Inside the Numbers members. Let's scroll up, see what else we have. We're still acting as a tour guide regardless of how fast the market is moving. We did catch a couple of good movements today based on what the market was doing. We knew where the important areas were down below for support. 
We knew where the Bulls and the Bears would have to put up a fight. They put up a fight around SPY 245-246 in the afternoon. We had that one lock, stock, and barrel. Let's scroll up, and you'll see it show up here. Continuing on, as the Bulls try and rally the market early on, we're identifying the important areas that they need to get above, stay above, get to. Everything on the board, we're reading the tape. Nothing changes. It's just fast. The numbers are wide. And by the way, it's an obvious rodeo. And here you see our first effort at 245.89. 245, 246 was important. It was actually important all day long. So we know that's essentially a pivot or a line in the sand. As long as we stayed above there, they were able to rally the market. Let's scroll ahead and you'll see what happened. I was away, but while I was away, they rallied the market as prescribed. Then obviously they came back down. And again, we have that 245, 246 zone. It remains important. So as the afternoon goes along, they come back down to retest that area. You can start and stop the video whenever you like. They come down to retest that area. They try and bounce off that area. Ultimately, into the end of the day, they decide no dice. It was a failure, and it was a good night, Irene, as prescribed. If we got below there, and they began to fail below there, we said it was going to be a good night, Irene, and was, in fact, good night, Irene, into the closing bell. So here's a 15-minute chart, and right here is your 245-246 area. We can just put a line right here, and you see what we'll do is we'll put it somewhere in the middle. It doesn't have to be exact, 245 and a half, roughly speaking. And what happened is they get above it, and they try and rally to close the gap. They couldn't close the gap, but they come back down, and where do they find support? Around the same area that was prescribed inside the numbers, 245, 246. They try to rally it again. These don't look like much on this 15-minute chart, but guess what? Here's a low, and the low is actually 244.66. What was the high just a few minutes later? 251.04. That's over a 50-60 point rally in the S&P in minutes. But then you see, into the end of the day, they gave up the ghost, and they couldn't do it. It was good night, Irene. They didn't go below the morning low, but we could expect, I don't know if we'll get but we could expect with a reasonable kind of expectation that we will make, once again, new lows, if not in the futures overnight into the morning, but also in the regular market session tomorrow, maybe down into the zone that we've been discussing. Or I guess what I should say now is further into the zone. IWM, is there anything to even talk about in the IWM? It's an absolute thrashing, down 13%. We're nowhere on the daily chart. There is no daily chart. We have to go up a couple of notches. There is a daily chart. I'm just joking around. So here we are, and you can see this is the 200-period moving average on the monthly chart is where I've identified an area in the IWM. 96, 94, 95, 93, 97. Somewhere in this neighborhood, we should find an assemblance of support. Doesn't feel like it. Never feels like it whenever it happens. Feels like it after it happens. Canary in the coal mine, transportation average. Well, we know the story with the airlines and the cruise ships and such. Well, guess what? Today, the White House came out and said they were going to backstop the airlines. Now, we don't know what that means. One could take it to mean they were going to backstop or bail out the airlines and everything's fine. The stocks rally. Life goes on. 
But in terms of what the White House actually means, we don't know. But if I'm a government official, what would I mean when I say we're going to backstop the airlines? I want to make sure that the transportation system around this country and around the world stays intact. I want to make sure that they can operate, that the airlines have enough liquidity to operate. I don't give a shit about the stock if I'm a government official. So just understand what that means and what it may not mean. After all, I can't imagine there's a huge appetite in Washington, especially on the Democratic side, who would have to pass a bill in the House. I'm not sure there's a huge appetite for corporate bailouts. I think we've read that book before. I think we've pissed a lot of people off before. And here's my take on that. If Trump started some corporate bailouts, I think he's absolutely a one-and-done, one-term president. See you later, Donnie. Where are the transports headed? Here's a low from January of 2016, 6,400, give or take. Here's a 200-period moving average, 62.23. Somewhere in that neighborhood, and again, this is under normal garden-variety market conditions. We're not in normal garden-variety market conditions. I understand that. But the market does operate as it operates. Right now, everything is magnified, but what you'll find out after a low is made, after we have certain numbers, what you'll find out is the market still at the end of the day, depending on what chart you looked at, and we're looking at longer term charts right now, the market will end up trading, believe it or not, technically sound. Here's a weekly chart of the Qs. There's too many lines on the screen. I don't mean to confuse you. These are my numbers. We don't know which one the Qs will stop at. But these are numbers all, to me, are meaningful. You can see on the weekly chart, we're coming into a weekly period or 200 period moving average. That's going to, under normal conditions, be supportive of price. It feels ugly. I don't even know if we'll get there. We're not that far away. It feels terrible. However, put it in this perspective or put it in these terms. How is it supposed to feel coming into the 200 period moving average on the weekly chart from afar. It's not supposed to feel bullish. But when you go back in time and you look at other instances of things like this, and again, this one's different, I get that, but other declines, and you look at moving averages from a long-term chart perspective, and you see they hit them, they spike through them, they come up short, whatever it is, you see after the fact the following month, a couple of months later, the market's already hit it and traded away from it. But while it's happening, again, this is the majority of the time, while it's happening, it never feels like the market's going to turn around. This is an awareness that you all need to have. If you panic along with everybody else, you're unlikely to make any money. If you just look at it for what it is, forget the sensationalism, at least as best you can. Look at the numbers, use bigger charts, Use bigger numbers and then go back to what seems to happen over and over and over again in the past. How about a monthly chart of the XLF where the financials spared? Absolutely not. Have they come into an area that looks interesting? Yes, they have. It's a zone that seems interesting. You can see where the market broke out here. So we know that markets like to test former breakout and former breakdown areas. Look here, you have a monthly large-scale breakup candle. The low happens to be 1940. What's the low here? 1893. 
We've closed today at 1889. This is a monthly chart, so you have to maintain that low at the end of the month. It's a spot. It's a guideline. Is there another spot? Do I have a better number? Yeah, I do. You want it? On a flush, 1765 is an area that I'm willing to step into the XLF or potentially some financial-related stocks within the XLF. How about Smash Mouth, good old SMH? What's the level here? Here's a weekly chart. Here's a weekly chart, 200-period moving average. And here are the numbers, 98, 97, 96, 85. Those are the numbers I came up with. We know the routine. The market's going to spike through by who knows, a dollar, two, or three. But those are the numbers that came out of the calculator. The calculator doesn't understand the magnitude of volatility. It's a manual input. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you and that without you, these videos are not possible? These are true statements. I appreciate each and every one of you very, very much. This is a good place to pull the ripcord for this evening. It is everything that I wanted to and intended to discuss, so I will do so. We will give it a wrap. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis. Music.